Alrighty, we'll get started on our Bible study for uh, 1028, it's October 28th, or 29th, 29th, 2006, a couple days before Halloween, I mean Halloween, sorry, uh, and uh, we're going to look at uh, some current events from uh, the uh, last trumpet, the last newsletter that he just sent out. And this talks quite a bit about, you know, the time of year that we're in, October. Uh, there was a Friday the 13th this October also, which is really going to get all the people in the occult into a frenzy. And um, that's what we're going to kind of look at some today. And then we'll continue our, our uh, Bible study in Romans chapter 9, uh, starting there. Reading from this, uh, from this current newsletter, it says, The entire world is now in a state of tension and unrest. And conditions are exactly as described in Luke 21-25, which uses the word distresses of nations with perplexity regarding the last day. Wars and rumors of wars are also facing us every day, fulfilling Matthew 24-6. Um, and this is one of the reasons I brought up with the bird flu, that a lot of there's this one guy out there saying, oh, the bird flu is a big hoax, it's never ever going to happen. Well, let me tell you something. There's been a bird flu, um, uh, it's called the bird flu, uh, oh, I don't know, symposium or whatever. It's where all of the big, big, big wigs of our government get together. The United Nations and our government and everybody. And they're, they continue to have these meetings. Now, granted, bird flu right now is not, not in, in the news right now, but it's still spreading in the world. And... The, the people in the upper level governments are still meeting about this and still planning for it as though it's going to happen. So, the Bible says that there will be pestilences and that there will be these things in the end times. So, even if it's not the bird flu, it's going to be something else. That's why I'm trying to get people to prepare for these types of things. Um, so, I think that man, his name is Dr. McCola, is doing a great disservice by lulling these people to sleep. Because that's really what he's doing. He's trying to, you know, it's third. It's like now it's among the ten bestsellers in the New York Times list, I guess now too. And and what it's going to do, I believe, is much more play into the hands of the New World Order. Because if nobody thinks it's going to be a reality, none of this is going to happen. Well, they're doing that with a lot of stuff. They're suppressing a lot of information that is really, really bad, like the prison camps and things of this nature. But the reality is, is they're all being built. So, the media, just because the media is out there saying, oh, it's never going to happen, never going to happen. Well, generally, if the media is saying it's never going to happen, you have to just basically mark yourself down on the other side. Like, yes, it will happen. It's just a matter of time. And that's what we're seeing a lot. So, they talk about the war here. The war in Iraq continues to trouble the entire region of the Middle East. The war in Iraq is now costing nearly $2 billion per week. That's how much we're spending on this war. $2 billion per week. Iraq police and residents are now declaring that the United States military is losing control fast and has now completely lost control of the Al-Anabar province, a large area of West Baghdad. In addition to that, the Associated Press recently reported a new study reveals that we have now killed 655,000 Iraqis, including women and children, that's a lot of people we've killed. Now, that's not 
probably including all the people that are that have died and are dying and will die from all the depleted uranium we've left over there. All the birth defects, all the miscarriages and all that, who knows? I guarantee you probably be over a million. Not only that, we've killed tons and tons and tons of our own troops. Nearly one half of all the troops that have come back from the Iraqi wars are all now totally permanently medically disabled. You ever heard of such a thing? Coming back from war and now half of that, half of that, at least half, are all permanently medically disabled? But it's not in the news. So, out of sight, out of mind. You know, um... So, then he goes on to say, this is one of the reasons why General Richard Dannett, Britain's army chief, has called for a complete withdrawal of Iraq. He stated, we need to get ourselves out soon because our presence exacerbates the security problems. Whatever consent we may have had in the first place from the Iraqi people has largely, largely turned into intolerance. In other words, they want us out of there. Conditions in the troubled land of Iraq are so terrible that one-third of our U.S. military personnel are now seeking treatment for mental disorders from Veterans Health Administration. So they're going nuts, too, our own troops. We must also take note that the number of American deaths in Iraq, which is 2,974, now that's a lie, because we've killed a whole lot more than that just from depleted uranium on our own troops. And we could go down that rabbit trail a lot of different ways, too. Um... In Afghanistan, 12,000 troops are being um, under foreign battlefield command as NATO takes complete command of all of our military operations there. So NATO is basically like the United Nations, essentially. It's kind of an extension. Protest rallies against President Bush are forming all over the United States. But they get almost no press coverage. Again, it's not in the press. But there's a lot of people that are trying to get Bush out a lot. Recently, a full-page ad was taken out in the New York Times by an organization called The World Can't Wait. In 150 of our largest cities, organized protesters are crying out, drive out the Bush regime. The organization correctly makes the following points of the United States. Your government has now codified torture. In other words, we've passed all kinds of laws now that are making torture legal. And that's on anybody they view as any kind of enemy combatant, which would include all of us in this room. And most of the people listening to this tape... Because anybody that, that, that believes in a literal interpretation of the Bible is going to be construed as an enemy combatant. The FBI already has a brochure stating that anybody that's a fundamental Christian or anybody that believes in the Constitution or is a defender of it is, is, falls into that category. The Constitution. So, um, this quote... Oh, hold on here. I got a little ahead of myself here. Your government has officially shredded the constitu- constitutional promises of basic and fundamental rights of due process. Your government now holds over 14,000 people overseas without charges. Your government is rewriting the law on crimes against humanity to exclude itself. I'm telling you, I, I really believe the only way safe, and now granted, the Lord would have to lead you to do it, and you'd have to have the financial means to do it. But the only way to, to really be safe of what's coming in this country is to get out of here. I think it's, I really think it's going to be that bad, what happens in America. It's going to be horrific. And we're, we're set up for it. Um, Bush has got basically everything drafted now. It, all they've got to do is pull the trigger. And granted, the Lord's still in control. But 
it's not going to take a whole lot more um, for this to happen. Then he goes on to say, When I consider everything that is going on in our erstwhile great nation, I am made to wonder what it will take to shock people out of their lethargy and apathy. American citizens are also subject to the recently passed detainee interrogation bill. This bill passed the Senate by a vote of 65 to 34 on September 28, 2006. This bill forbids mutilation and rape only, but leaves all other forms of torture to be decided by George W. Bush. So the only thing they can't do is mutilate and rape you. Everything else goes. Thus, America has abandoned the Geneva Convention on Humane Treatment of Prisoners. Even Hitler and the Nazis honored that set of rules, but not President Bush. Our pulse... This is a word... I don't even know what it means. Pusillanimous... Pusillanimous... U.S. Congress... What a word. Golf clap on that word. Golf clap. Anyway, um, our pulsonymous U.S. Congress, the finest Congress money can buy, has given Bush that dictatorial power of torture. It happened in Germany 66 years ago, and now it is happening here. We have an American Gestapo, and we have a Führer, meaning George Bush. Sadly, most people don't care. Who is George W. Bush? Who does he think he is? Who is this one who went to the site of the World Trade Center on 9-11 after it got bombed, thus returning to the scene of his crime, and stood next to the severed door of a fire engine with a number 18 on it. In other words, that was the speech Bush made after the World Trade Centers with, when he was on the bullhorn, he was rallying the troops, even though he had done this. He's the one that engineered 9-11. Um, so you guys, I, I, there's so much proof on that, it's not even funny. Our own government did that. Um... The number 18 on in his occult numerology is three sixes. So 18 is 6 plus 6 plus 6. Just as Hitler burned the Reichstag government building in Germany and blamed the Jews, so Bush arranged the bombing of the Twin Towers and blamed the Islamic terrorists. Well, why would he do that? So he could take away more of our rights. So he could pass the Patriot Act, which they passed within two weeks. If they didn't have an event like like 9/11, they could have never railroaded all these legislations through. But see, when 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 you can create these disasters, what happens is is, the, is all the sheep come and they say, "Oh, oh, President, please protect us from these bad guys. Oh, we'll protect you. We'll 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 write up this legislation. So we'll take away everything you've got. Then we'll set you up for this." So they were all more than happy to do this, and since they were the ones that created this, they already had the solution waiting in the wings. And they've done this with even more, even worse legislation since the Patriot Act. Um, a lot of this I got into in my avian flu presentation. So he goes on to say, uh, all of this is orchestrated by the age-old great conspiracy known as the Illuminati, or as the witches call it, Moriah, the conquering and destroying wind. That's what the word Moriah means, M-O-R-I-A-H, the conquering and destroying wind. But the witches call the Illuminati the Moriah. Is there such a power that operates in secrecy from the chambers of spiritual darkness and rules over the kings of the earth? Even the late President Woodrow Wilson in the year 1913 said the following. Some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce and manufacture are afraid of somebody, are afraid of something. They know that, that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive, that they had better not speak above their breath 
when they speak in condemnation of it. I pray against the Illuminati. I think everybody should pray against them because if you talk about going after the root of the problem, well, that's going after the root, going after the Illuminati in prayer. Um, There's 13 families. Rockefellers, Rothschilds, Carnegie's, DuPont's, Astor's, Bundy's, Krupp's. I, I, I don't have them all memorized, but yeah. Biltmore was, um, uh, I can't remember his last name. It's escaping me. Taylor, I'm recording. Do you need me to pause this? Okay, getting back to this. Um, <clears throat> so, after we read that quote from President Wilson... And, and uh, then it says, Woodrow Wilson was referring to the Illuminati Rothschild Tribunal. Now, why does he say Rothschild? Because Rothschild is the top family in the Illuminati. They're the ones that, that are the top of the heap, okay? That has been ever since, I believe, the 1700s, when the, the banking families of the Rothschilds officially took over the banking of Europe. Okay, the five brothers, um, the father had five sons. Now, Rothschild, the reason they got their name is because... It, um, it means red shield. The reason they got their name Rothschild is because they lived in a Jewish ghetto at the time. Jews were very, very persecuted in um, 17th century Europe. And they were basically relegated to live in a, in a ghetto. Now, he was a... The dad was like a guy that did banking, kind of. But it was more like trading gold and silver and things of this nature. He had five sons. And... The reason that their name was Rothschild is because out front of their out in front of their uh, place of business they had a red shield and it had a hexagram on it, the six pointed star, okay, which is one which is one of the highest symbols of witchcraft. This is how Israel ended up getting a six pointed star on its flag, because the Rothschilds had a lot to do with the formation of Israel, originally beginning in 1917 when Lord Balfour. It was called the Balfour Declaration, and then the Rothschilds came and put up the money for a lot of the formation of Israel after that. And then in 1948, they became an actual state. But they've got whole streets named after them. Um, they, the Rockefellers have a whole museum. That, the Rockefellers are the ones that are in charge of the uh, archaeology, a lot of the archaeological digs in Israel. They've got their own whole museum. And the Rothschilds have whole streets named after them. So, um, the Rothschilds are the top, top, top family in the Illuminati. They're, they're the ones that decide the price of gold and silver every day in London. And in the 1700s, they had, he had five sons, and he said, okay, go out in different areas of Europe. One went to England, one went to France, one went to Italy. I forget where all of them went. Or maybe it was four brothers. And they would do banking with one another. They were the ones that basically funded both sides of the Napoleonic Wars. Napoleon versus uh, the Duke of uh, Windsor. Yeah, the Duke of Windsor. Um, and it was, it was England versus France. Okay, they, But see, when you're the bankers and you're funding both sides of the war, you're making out like a bandit. Because it takes a lot of money to run a war. The bankers all ended up winning, whereas... 
yes, granted, England ended up winning, ultimately defeating Napoleon, putting him in exile. After that, they poisoned Napoleon. I don't know if you knew. Did you know that? Arsenic. They've done hair samples on his on his hair. They were trying to kill him the whole time. I just saw a documentary on that. Well, anyway, um, this is how our modern day banking corrupt banking industry got started way, way back then. That's the foundation. The foundation is the Rothschilds. So if there's any family you're going to pray against in the world, I would pray against the Rothschilds. Because they're, they're, the, they're the absolute total top of the heap in, in the occult hierarchy. So, um... Woodrow Wilson was referring to the Illuminati Rothschild Tribunal, the Council of Thirteen, which are called the Grand Druids, and the Council of Thirty-Three, which are called the Grand Masters. These are the high councils of witchcraft and Freemasonry. There are few who are daring to speak out. There is now an organization of university professors who have done extensive research and has formed an organization called Scholars for 9-11 Truth. This is about 9-11. Dr. Kevin Bartlett, a notable professor from the University of Wisconsin-Madison is one such courageous member of this group. I pray that God will protect him. Dr. Barrett has much evidence that incriminates the Bush administration, and he has boldness of, of a lion. Dr. Barrett also said Hitler had a good 20 to 30 IQ points on Bush. So comparing Bush to Hitler would be in many ways an insult to Hitler. Both Bush and Hitler will have the answer much for in Judgment Day, though. Um, yeah, these, these, these guys are, are guys that have looked at 9-11. They're scholars. They're university professors. There's one at Brigham Young. There's one at the University of Wisconsin. And they just totally ripped the whole thing apart. Um, I was supposed to speak up in Tampa a few months back for, for an organization called We the People. They were going to do a live broadcast. I was going to do my Avion flu presentation, but a condensed version. And... Um, the lady that was setting everything up was part of this organization. She was part of Scholars for 9-11 Truth of, in California. She was the one that, that interviewed me. Um, but, yeah, the, it's, um, it's a good organization. It really is. Then it says, Judgment Day is indeed not far off. The rise of nuclear threats is continual at this time. North Korea performed a successful nuclear weapons test on October 9, 2006. 18 days from the September Witches' sub Sabbat of Maybon. The nuclear device used in an underground test was the same size in kilotons of one that destroyed Nagasaki, Japan in 1945. The bomb was so powerful that the U U.S. Geological Survey measured a magnitude 4.2 quake. Um, on the 11th day of October, North Korea requested talks with the White House, and the White House flatly refused to talk to them. When Iran saw the reactions of other nations to North Korea to the nuclear testing, Iranian leaders defiantly vowed to continue their nuclear program. Iran also reminded the world that they have a Shahab-3 missile with a range of 1,200 miles. They warned that there would be a lightning response toward anyone who would dare attack them. Iran has stated clearly that they intend to nuke Israel off the map. North Korea has a successful nuclear bomb, and Iran has has the successful missile to deliver it. Both countries have become closer friends and are working in harmony. Uh, let's see. So, there's, in other words, there's a lot of world instability right now. And he's saying the United States of America is far too weak to take on Red China. 
So we are desperately sending up our space shuttles to repair damage. These space missions are always designed to be 13 days long. Hmm. In addition to all these many problems happening on our troubled planet, we also find the Earth itself is in creation or now revolting under the heavy weight of sin and satanic dominance of the people. All data now reveals that the world is now the warmest it has ever been. The two highest mountains of the world, Mount Kilimanjaro and Mount Kenya, are rapidly losing their ice caps. Um, NASA has reported that Arctic ice is now melting 15 times faster than ever before. And, and I've, I've seen confirmation of this. On September 16th, Reuters news report said so much ice was melting that new islands were appearing and polar bears were drowning because they were stranded at sea because of melting ice. In the Middle East, the Sea of Galilee is rapidly shrinking and the Dead Sea is well on its way to drying up. The King of Jordan has enlisted a well-known British architect to design a canal from the Red Sea to the Dead Sea at a cost of $3 billion. The geography of that ancient land is rapidly changing. Um, and then it just goes on to tell about all the earthquakes that have been happening. Um, during the very early days of October 2006, it was as, as if all hell had broken loose. The trouble actually began just after the September Witches' Sabbath. Oh, no, hold on. I already read that. I'm sorry. Okay. Get my pages confused here today. Um. I didn't read it. I'm sorry. During the very early days of October 2006, it was if all hell had broken loose. The actual trouble began just after September, which is sub out of Maven, when evil spirits began to fully manifest as the October full moon harvest and Friday the 13th were approaching. Now, this is interesting. We know as true Christians we have protection from the spells of witches and the devices of Satan. Well, that's true to a certain extent. Um, if you've got a ton of sin in your life, I don't believe you have that protection. But, we can appropriate that protection if, if we're right with the Lord. Um, we also know that all the children have been indoctrinated with Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, the Chronicles of Narnia, and other such witchcraft quickly and easily come under the spells from thousands of covens of witches as they go into heavy spell casting at certain times. Witchcraft is not to be taken lightly as it is condemned by the Almighty. Read Deuteronomy chapter 18 for a clear definition of occultism. A prime time for spellcasting has always been between the September Sabbat of Maven and October Sabbat of Samhain, which is October 31st, or Halloween. The full moon during this time is called the Harvest Moon in honor of Ceres, the goddess of grain from which we get the word cereal. That's how we get the word cereal, from this goddess Ceres. There, when there is Friday the 13th, the witches go berserk with spellcasting during this time. Such was the case this year. See, they will actually cast spells and, and, and use witchcraft based on times and seasons and, and days, and this is how people in the occult operate. They always do it through these types of events, astrology and all this other stuff. Uh, on September 29th, Green Bay, Wisconsin was shocked when a plot to commit mass murder in a school was uncovered. Two boys who had a stash of napalm and high-powered weapons were arrested. 
On that same day, Superior, Wisconsin, was shaken by a bomb threat at their school. During the same time, a gunman barged into a school in Bailey, Colorado, shot dead a young girl there, and then turned the gun on himself. In another tragic incident, in the same time, a student armed with several weapons entered a school, another school in Wisconsin, and shot to death the principal, John Klein. Then, during the same time period, a young gun gunman entered a Amish school, intending to rape and kill 13 girls and women. He took 10 young girls hostage, and as he saw the police coming, he began to shoot them one by one, killing five of them instantly and seriously wounding the others. Did you see, you saw about the Amish thing, probably. Oh, you didn't know about that? Oh, yeah, this was huge. Yeah, this guy went in. He just went in for no reason. Entered an Amish school. Um, and uh, he killed five of them instantly. And he seriously wounded the others. And then he killed himself. And this guy was, you know, he was a, he was a family man. Um, wife, kids, the whole nine yards. He was a milkman. And he just went nuts. Now, I know what that is. Supposedly, he had some gripe or whatever. He's a mind control slave. He's a programmed mind control slave. Um, Fritz Springmeier writes about this extensively in his works. And he got triggered. When you have a total mind control slave, and these things, these people can be made. Um, there's been many books written about this subject. It only takes one small trigger, a verse, something you see that you're programmed and you go into this programming where you carry out this mission. And then his mission was to do this. And you notice in all these cases, they always kill themselves at the end. Why do they do that? So nobody can get in there and, 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 and determine that this was actually a real mind control victim. There's no, there's no um, witnesses then. There's no, you, you can't interview the guy if he's dead. That's why they always coincidentally kill themselves. That's exactly why. So, anyway, if you want to know more about that, get Fritz Springmeier's books. Um, then he goes on to say, These evil spirit-driven lunatics are the result of witchcraft in action. Literally, the word lunatic means moonstruck. That's why we get the full moon. Sometimes people go nuts during full moons. There is something to that and from, a, from an occult standpoint. There's something to that. What has happened to our country? Our schools are now worse than the governmental schools of the erstwhile Soviet Union and are like the ones in Red China. The carefree days of youth are a thing of the past. The students are being tagged and monitored with radio frequency identification systems and are continually being watched by hundreds of cameras. In the 1960s, I remember the farm boys coming to school in a pickup truck with a shotgun hanging in the back window. They parked in the school lot with the window left open and nothing ever happened. In other words, there was a gun there for the taking and nothing ever happened. Okay. Truly, this is a nation that has been that has an electronic brain transplant from the satanic beast or antichrist. It is a nation of churches that have bought into the devices of Satan. And the grim reaper is now walking through his fields of harvest. Why do Christians not take the occult more seriously and fight against it? There is so much trouble and more is to come. We must remember that countless thousands of witches take their craft and their religion seriously and hope that professing Christians will never take the faith, their faith with the same dedication and determination. In other words, they're, they're depending on us to not do anything, because they're taking their religion very seriously. The reason witches regard Friday the 13th is because of the legend, Norse, the legend from ancient Norse religion. 
The story is about 12 Norse gods, including Odin, Thor, and Frey, who were having a feast in Valhalla. When the mischievous god Loki gate-crashed the party, became an uninvited 13th guest, Loki arranged for Hod, the blind god of darkness, to shoot Baldur, the god of joy and happiness, with a mistletoe-tipped arrow. Baldur was killed, and the earth plunged into darkness and mourning. This all happened on Fry's Day, which was Friday, which was, in this case, Friday the 13th. So this is how we get some of these old traditions. Why was Friday the 13th Madness? Well, I think Friday the 13th, you can just make a case from the fact that it's the 13th day of the month, 13 Rebellion, and it's the 6th day of the week, 6, okay? Which is, you know, one of the numbers of evil. So, Friday the 13th, you, you can make a point from that, too. There's, there's other reasons for that. Um, the spirit of the Antichrist brings forth the spirits of blasphemy. Revelation 13.1 says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon the heads the name blasphemy. With this in mind, we have now learned from the London Daily Mail that Dr. G.V. Hagens, an atomist, is planning to televise a program using a real body to show how people die when they were crucified. Dr. Gunther is now planning to nail a corpse to a cross and televise it on Channel 4. There's many demon-possessed people in high and low places. The churches are full of them, are full of people that seem to be oblivious to it. We, are at, we at Truth Tabernacle and Last Trumpet Ministries take such things very seriously, and we are continually fighting against the gates of hell. I will mention one incident which took place a number of years ago. I was baptizing a man in a baptistry in our church. When I put him under the water, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, suddenly the congregation was stunned to hear a whoosh. Every door in the building flew open simultaneously as evil spirits left in a great hurry. Obviously, you know, outside the weather was calm, yet every door burst open, including two that opened as including two that opened in as well as those that opened out. I was further amazed when I discovered that the locking bolts, including some dead bolts, were all extended and there was no damage to the doors. Um, in other words, there should have been damaged if these doors flew open with dead bolts extended and there wasn't. So, um, I called several people to witness this. There is a saving and delivering power in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can be set free from every evil if you believe with all your heart. I must also continually remind everyone that our Savior told us to watch for signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. We now read this in Luke 21:25. Now it has been announced by scientists that Pluto is no longer considered to be a planet. A new planet has been discovered that has replaced Pluto. Um, it has been named Eris, after the god of discord and strife. You know that? <laughs> See, every one of these planets are named after some totally stinking evil. <laughs> every one. I don't think there's one that's not. Mercury. Um, he's, Mercury is like one associated with Hermes. He's like the god of death. Saturn, which you've got, Saturn has six letters. It's also a derivative of Satan. It's the sixth planet from the sun. Saturn, Satan, you just do the math there. Jupiter, another, another uh, one of the demonic god of the Greek pantheon. Uh, Neptune, Pluto, Uranus, all these are evil. Every single one of these names are totally evil. What? Pluto is the god of death. Yeah. 
The god of the underworld is Pluto. Yeah. So, yeah, Pluto Pluto is not... Now, now granted, God put the planets there. I'm not going to say that just because a planet there is evil, just because maybe Satan is whatever, named it that way, or, or maybe has a some type of fallen angelic outpost on these planets. I don't know. But um, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. All things were made by him, and not, without him was not anything made that was made. So, see, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's still in control. It's just that Satan's always trying to corrupt everything. You know, that's I guess that's the point. So... So, anyway, um, we're going to this last part here. As we see the day of our Savior's return approaching, it is high time for everyone who names the name of Christ to depart from iniquity. We must remember that the work of Antichrist is to deceive Christians, not unbelievers. We must also remember that the spirit of Judas Iscariot and the spirit of Antichrist are one and the same. That is why there is a great falling away in the last days, and with that falling away there is a great betrayal as so-called Christians forsake the true Savior and sell out to the enemy. It is happening everywhere. One example is the interface service held at Christ Reformed Church um, in Hagerstown, Pennsylvania, which was a Tibetan Buddhist Kenpo Sultrim Tenzin was the main speaker. Tibetan Buddhist Kenpo Soto Tenzin was the main speaker. So, um, this was an interfaith, meaning they had a different faith there. All participating were Hindu leader, also participating was Hindu leader Dr. Vibas Bandy, and then it goes on all these other ones, Rabbi Fred Raskin, and Enam Quasim Burmi of the Islamic Society of Western Maryland. What a stinking abomination. All these join in harmony with the Christ Reforms Church UCC Ministry. UCC Ministry, what does that mean? Uniform Commercial Code? Well, that, that's what, that, see, that's what I'm familiar with UCC meaning, Uniform Commercial Code, which is a whole other subject. We can, more of a, no, it's, it's probably not for this time, but that's weird, UCC Ministry, I don't know. United Church of Christ? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, really. Anyway, um, we must remember the words of Second John, verses 7-11. For many deceivers are entered in the world who confess not Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So it's really important that you're abiding in the doctrine of Christ, because if you if you're not, uh, the Bible says you don't you don't have God. So it's really important what you're believing. <laughs> Contrary to what 99.9% of all churches out there is, whatever, do your own thing. I feel this way, I feel that way. Well, that that's going to take you straight to hell. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed, for he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So that would be, you know, uh, don't, don't invite a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon in your house. Don't do it. Because the Bible says not to do it. 
And don't say, God bless you either. Or bid them Godspeed, because then you're a partaker of their evil deeds. Uh, the dialogue of this game includes people saying, praise the Lord as they blow... Oh, no, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Without a doubt, there's little or no discernment among professing Christians anymore. Earlier this year, the Los Angeles Times featured a story entitled, Converting Video Games into Instruments of God. The Los Angeles Times ran this. In the article, it told Tim LaHaye's game called Left Behind Eternal Forces. You're not going to believe this. Tim LaHaye fully endorsed this video game, saying, We hope teenagers like the game. Our real goal is to have no one left behind right the dialogue of the game includes people saying, Praise the Lord as they blow away infidels. The game is described as follows. You are on a mission, both a religious mission and a military mission, to convert or kill Catholics, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, gays, and anyone who, who advocates the separation of church and state, especially moderate mainstream Christians. Your mission is to conduct physical and spiritual warfare. All who resist must be taken out with extreme prejudice. You can be Christians blowing away infidels, and if that doesn't hit your hot button, you can be the Antichrist blowing away the Christians. Dude, how could it get any worse than this? This is, this is, this is the modern day Tim LaHaye. He's the guy that wrote all the Left Behind books. This is his video game. I, I can't imagine it getting more apostate. Uh, Troy Linden, CEO of Left Behind Games, had the following to say about the bloody aspects of the video game. Quote, The game's Christian themes will grab the audience that didn't mind the gore in the Passion of Christ movie. End of quote. So if you didn't mind the gore in the Passion of Christ movie, the Mel Gibson did, then this, this game won't bother you. I've been watching the Illuminati conspirators work their plan for over 25 years and have documented their activities. In fact, the state of Wisconsin historical societies requested that all the issues of the last trumpet newsletter for its archives. Has requested all the issues of the last trumpet for its archives. I saw years ago what is now happening in our country and the world and many people who rejected this newsletter years ago are now asking to be added onto our list again. As I... I am as shocked as anyone. However, as I see and spend, however, as I see in the speed and intensity of Satan's efforts that are hurling this present world toward destruction, I rejoice, however, when I fully realize all this means that the trouble will soon be over, and every soul will be brought into judgment and enter into eternity. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So that was pretty much the high points of, of that particular uh, um, newsletter there. Uh, what what time are we looking at here? Oh, okay. All right, I'm going to just go over one thing because I have a little extra time. I'm going to go over one thing that happened to me this week. Um, I got a uh, call from my mom's friend that lives up in Ohio. Her name's, well, they're Pat and Jim. They're our good family friends for a long time, my mom and dad's. And they have a daughter that ended up I ended up influencing about three people into chiropractic. About three people that I can recall. Um, and she was one, it was it was their daughter that I talked to a long time ago and she decided to go be a chiropractor. I told her what college I would go to if I were to do it all over again. She went to the college I told her to go to. It was Parker in Texas. Um, and she ended up doing basically the same 
I guess the same techniques I was doing at the time, which I regret now telling her, which was which was a lot of the muscle testing and stuff. She got into a technique called contact reflex analysis, which I see if people get into this technique, um, you you get totally off in left field because it's not of God. So I regret that, but damage is done. I can't do anything about it at this point. I've tried to email her and talk to her, and she's she's better than everybody now. Well, anyway. She, when you get when you get into these muscle testing techniques and you stay in them, most chiropractors that are that are into this junk, and I know because I've been there, so nobody's going to tell me any different. Because man, if, if I was the king of muscle testing, I was I was at such an advanced level that they were going to actually start using me to teach seminars at this stuff. So I have a very unique perspective that most people don't have about this. What muscle testing and what a lot of these new age techniques teach the chiropractors how to be double-minded. They, they teach the, do, the doctor how to be their own god. In other words, you start doing these techniques and there's so much room for your own interpretation and for, and for doing your own thing that you start thinking you're the best chiropractor in the world and that you know more than anybody. And the people that come to you fall under the same spell. And I'm telling you, it's a spell. It's stinking witchcraft. I know because I've been there. I've done it. I'm not proud of it, but I was one of the main guys. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. So this technique is based on, wow, this feels right. You know, they're doing all kind of nutty stuff in this technique. To, to, to get into all that would take too long. But suffice it to say, she's been doing this for a long time. And guess what? She's got a booming practice. A practice that would put mine to total shame. But you know something? I've walked away from all this a long time ago. And I've taken a lot of stances that 99.9% .9 of all chiropractors won't take. I do things in my practice where I try to get people well. And I stay away from all the new age junk. As a result of that, I don't have to see my patients very much. But as a result of it, I don't attract all of the, the new age freak junk. Because Satan will send you patients. He will. He'll send you patients. I've been there. Um, I'm a board certified acupuncturist. I don't do it anymore. I'm, 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 uh, I've got my degree at the University of Miami. Um, I'm, I'm certified in contact reflex analysis. So much so that I was getting ready to teach this particular technique. And God pulled me out of all this new age junk and put me into a practice where I couldn't do any of it. And I was glad, I was glad that he did that. I mean, it was a very brutal time in my life, but I was glad that he ended up doing it. I have literally walked away from hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the choices that I've made. I don't regret it. But people that do these techniques generally will do very well. She's done very, very well, this girl. And... Um, She's got a waiting list practice. you got to wait, I think, two weeks to even get in to see her. She's doing all this new age junk. Yet, you know what's so crazy? She knows nothing about the product line. The product line that I used in her process? My dad was up there and mentioned a few things. And, and you know what her response was to about a product that he thought her dad needed? Oh, well, I already muscle tested him for that. He didn't need it. You ever heard that one, Doug? In other words, they'll take a bottle of something, bottle of nutrients, and they'll put it in your hand, and they'll ask the body if it wants that product. That's muscle testing. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Very, 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 very prevalent. Very prevalent. And what will happen is, is the doctor will go up to them and they'll put this bottle in their hand and they'll, and they'll ask the body. They'll, they have all these reflex points. And if a, this reflex point means gallbladder. Well, if you touch the reflex point and their arm goes weak, that means they have a gallbladder problem. Okay? And then if you put the nutrient that will help correct that product in their hand, the body can pick up the frequencies on it, and then the arm will test strong when they press the point. That's muscle testing in a nutshell. Okay? Yeah, we were just talking about how, you know, this actual technique many times will work. And um, that's the deception. And that's the, that's the thing that blows people away about it. Because they see it work, you know. And when you see something work, and it's really, you can't, there's no explanation for it. And really what I believe it is, it's just witchcraft, what it is. Now, does that mean there's certain people that haven't been helped with it? That's the problem. Is, is that, is that um, people were, um, were helped with this stuff, and what ended up happening is, is, is once they get help with it one time, if the devil can throw you a carrot on something, and get you hooked into something, and get you demonically taken over just by going to see a doctor, he don't care. Great. Good, good deal by him. Well, that's what happens with muscle testing. And, and it is impressive if you, if you see it work, especially. Now, I saw it work, and I saw it totally, utterly fail. So, again, you know, God is not the author of confusion. A double-minded technique is unstable in all its ways. Well, this is a double-minded technique. I saw acupuncture work, and I saw it fail. Well, acupuncture is straight from the pit of hell, too. It's just based out of Taoism, yin-yang, fire and ice. It's what it's all based out of. Taylor... All right, I'll go over real quick what acupuncture means. Acupuncture is basically a technique based out of Taoism, which is one more religion that's going to take a lot of people to hell of the Middle East, where they, where they put acupuncture needles in specific points of the body. The points have to be memorized by the doctor. Um, there's different what they call meridians. It has a lot to do with what they call the chakra system, which is also straight from the pit of hell. Now, I'm not saying there's no validity to any of these techniques as far as there's no truth in any of these techniques. The problem is, is that you're doing things that are not of God. You're, you're inserting needles, which I think the Bible has a problem with needles, honestly, injected in, into these points. And what supposedly the needles do is either release or free pent-up energy in these points and allow this energy to flow properly, this chi, it's called chi, which is like the life force of the body, through these meridians, and then many times the people will get helped. I've seen it work, I've seen it fail. It doesn't matter to me if it works or fails. You know something? There's a benefit to being a witch. There's a benefit to being a witch. There's a benefit to getting into the occult. There's a, there's a benefit to any occult practice well, that's what people always say. Well, it works. Well, maybe you've gotten decent results, but how many demons have you adopted as a result of this? Are you a better Christian now as a result of getting into this? I was as deep into it as anybody could be. Because if I do something, I do it all the way. Well, I was doing all this junk, you know. And um, 
but I became increasingly more and more miserable doing it. Well, the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth, and if you be without chastisement, you're bastards. God started chastening me. I didn't know why he was chastening me. Obviously, I wasn't doing it because I wasn't trying to help. I really was trying to help people. I was sincere. I was sincerely wrong. Now, um, this, these techniques are dangerous. They're very dangerous. And it's just one more new age occult technique that you can get into an alternative healthcare, and that's why I don't touch it anymore. I use symptom surveys, I use lab analysis, I know my product line very well, and that's how I do it, and it's worked fine. Well, and I have a peace of mind about it too. And there's nothing new age about what I'm doing. So, this girl, this, this doctor up in Ohio, uh, her parents have come to me, and because she's gotten into all of this, she went down, she was at, at some chiropractic convention, I believe, and one of the classes or something she, she had to take was for practice management. You have to have what they call continuing education credits. And this one particular class was teaching them, and she really started getting into this practice management technique. Now, there's a lot of practice management groups out there for chiropractors, and what they do is they basically get you to be a money-making machine. You basically go and you start pressuring your patients to sign up all these big contracts where they have to get treatment three times a week for like a year, and they sign these contracts and they pay you all the money up front. And I don't want anything to do with it. Nothing to do. And this is why I'm not rich as a chiropractor. I refuse to do all of this stuff. I don't want anything to do with it. It grieves me even getting it. God wouldn't let me do it if I wanted to. I'd be miserable. But I've been there in the practice management too. Oh yeah, I've been exposed to that also. I hated that though. At least muscle testing, I, I, I felt like I was... But this other is just terrible. And this group was exerting a lot of pressure on her and she started applying some of this stuff in the practice and she started seeing all these big phenomenal results right off the bat. Again, people that are in the occult will see results. Well, she's already in the occult because she's doing the muscle testing. She's doing the new agey stuff. Okay, She's got a big following. So now she starts thinking, well, look at me. Huh, I'm pretty good. i got a two-week waiting list. i got a waiting list practice. Um, and she don't even know her product line. My dad knew more than her about some of the things. But she relies on the muscle testing. Oh, I, I muscle tested... So her excuse to things like, well, why didn't you try this? Oh, well, I muscle tested them for that and they didn't need it. Oh, okay. Well, then you become your own god. Is what it is. That is what a muscle testing will do to a doctor. They start to think that they're a god. I've been there. I know. I had a little picture of myself on the wall. I worship. No, just kidding. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll go in my, my room and worship myself. No, um, so this is what happens with muscle testing. I, I, and again, I think I'm pretty uniquely qualified to, to render an opinion on this because I've been there. So, you, what, what happens then? What's that? Pride. Pride. You start getting into pride. That's why almost every single chiropractor that gets into alternative health care gets into the new age stuff. Always. Almost every... I don't know one that's not. I don't know one. Not one. It's not. The only way you could avoid it is if you were what they call a straight chiropractor and never, ever, ever touched nutrition. But even then you could get caught up in some new age stuff. Even then you could. No, no more questions, Taylor. So, you, you get caught up in this and the further you get in, it's like the mob. The harder it is to get out. 
And it's no different with this. So she's been doing this called contact reflex analysis for years. So now the devil's ready to take her to the next step because now she's all puffed up full of pride. Nobody can tell her nothing. She's got a waiting list practice. She's making all this money. And then she goes to this practice management place and she starts applying some of these principles and now she's making even more gobs of money. She's putting more pressure on her patients. She's becoming like a dictator in her practice, basically saying, you know, you need to... She's telling her own mom, you know, you, you, if you want to come in and see me, you've got to make an appointment like everybody else and it's a two-week waiting list. You know, she wants to get her neck... Her mom, the ones that put her through chiropractic hall. Okay, that makes sense. And treating them, and she told, actually went so far as to tell her mom, don't refer me any more patients because the patients you refer aren't compliant and they don't do what I tell them to do. So I don't want them. This is how arrogant you can get as a doctor. Okay, now this is no different from a medical doctor. Medical doctors are worse because they are doing witchcraft. They're, they're doing pharmacia every day. Pharmacia is where we get the root word for sorcery. They're prescribing drugs. You cannot drug your body into good health. It's an, it's an impossibility. It's one thing if you use it for emergency medicine to save a life. But beyond that, you cannot drug your body into good health. And then somebody gets chemo, and the logical thing to do is poison them. They get cancer. Well, let's poison them with chemo. Because that's what chemo is. It's poison. It was originally leftover mustard gas from World War II, which is what they gas people with. And I believe they still use mustard gas. They just use it in a diluted form. Just not quite enough to kill you. Not right off the bat, at least. Right. Well, as a man, absolutely. Because you have a toothache. Right. Right. Don't you think that sometimes your mind tells you this is better or this is Well, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you're constantly dwelling on, oh, I got this, and I got this, and I got this, well, then you're going to get it. Because it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy eventually. As a man thinketh. And that's why it is important to have a good positive attitude. That's why the Bible says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, think on these things. Now, that's tough to do nowadays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So a lot of times, I look at whatever happens to me, Sure. Right. Right. I agree. Oh, I agree totally. Uh, the um, the Bible's real clear on that. Yeah. Right. Right. You're able to. Yeah. 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 There, there's a lot to be said, and you know, and that's a whole other aspect. Oh, they do. They do. Psychosomatic illness, hypochondriacs. Yeah. Medications will kill. All medications, every single one of them, all have side effects. Everyone, you know why? Because medications are something unnatural to the body. They're synthetically made chemicals that are made in a laboratory, and you cannot put synthetically chemically made 
things into your body every day and not have it have an adverse effect sooner or later. You, it's, it's cause and effect. It has to happen. There, there's no other choice. You can't be on a drug your whole life and have ultimately have it turn out good. You just can't. So, this is the whole point. That, you know, there, there's dis- different aspects. Yes, there are people that, that actually have thorns in the flesh like Paul had, that God's name be glorified. Um, that you be not, that you, that in his case, I believe it was that he get, that he didn't get puffed up. This type of thing. Pride. So, this, with this girl, she was ripe for this. And, and she's, she's, um, she's disobedient to parent, really. The, the, her parents have done everything for her, and, and yet she's just arrogant. And she goes down, she goes to the seminar, and ends up, they're Scientologies. Now, this is pretty big in chiropractic. In some of the management groups, there's a, there's a management group called Singer. And they were their Scientology-based chiropractic practice management. Now, why would they want to prey on doctors? Because doctors got a lot of money, and they want a lot of money from their members. And they can tell you how to make a lot of money in your practice if you practice a certain way. Now, I've, I've, I've had experience with this, too, because the guy I used to practice with, Dr. Ned, he had had his time in Singer a little bit. He wasn't full-fledged or anything, but they do a lot of stuff with statistics, and really, you start looking at your practice as a statistic, not as individual patients. It's like, okay, get them through the door, type of thing. I can't do that. I can't practice that way. There's no way. And so, um, she ended up seeing all these big results with this, and she got her and her, her husband, and she's a very domineering woman at this point, and she has a husband that's that's I don't know. From what I've heard, he's not probably. I don't know how to put this nicely. He's 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 not really. Uh, I don't know. Smartest guy in the world. Whatever. Now I'm not judging him. It don't mean anything like that. But I she's married two men just like this. I believe because she's a very dominant woman. She needs a man she can rule over. Okay. And. Um, which is typical for today and day and age, and, and it's typical for a woman doctor. I don't, I don't see how a woman being a doctor is so very biblical anyway. To be honest with you, I mean, keeper of home and these types of things. How is she supposed to do anything of a maternal nature? If she's doing all that. I just don't see it. But the women's lib era and ERA and all those great Planned Parenthood and the, you know what, you know what? I was watching a documentary that on Kent State University where they killed all those people, and. They were saying that that was the, the era where um, all the stuff was happening and all the, the free love and all the stuff. You know one of the big things that, that, that caused all of this woman's rights, ERA, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to have my own career, free love, free sex, I have as much control over my body as you. The birth control pill was one of the main things that started all that because a woman now had a choice whether she wanted to have kids or whether she didn't. And it gave her this freedom, this liberation, this power that she had never had before. And they were interviewing all this woman, and the women were saying this, not the men. The women were. I had never thought about it that way. But man, it had everything to do, well, not everything, but it had a lot to do with what happened during that time. And and dur- and I really believe it, it had a lot to do with a lot of the the. the the demonic influence that came in during that time. But anyway, that's another subject. Um, so, this lady comes to me and she says, well, what do I do? 
and uh, my mom's friends, and friends, friends of our family for a long time. And I said, well, I said, I'm going to send you an email that lays all this out, what Scientology is all about, who this man L. Ron Hubbard is. Now, when I think of L. Ron Hubbard, here's what I think of. First thing I think of, L. Ron Hubbard. I think of Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley, L. Ron Hubbard was a follower of Aleister Crowley. Who's Aleister Crowley? Aleister Crowley is the wickedest man, wickedest man, reputed to be the wickedest man in the last hundred years. He was known as the Beast. He had pictures of himself with 666 across his forehead. He bragged about how many little boys he had sodomized and then killed. Um, he was a really, 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 really hardcore high-level Satanist. Um, I mean hardcore high-level. This is who L. Ron Hubbard followed after. Now, who's L. Ron Hubbard? He's the guy that started Scientology. He wrote the book Dianetics, the owner's manual for the human mind. What an idiot. This is the owner's manual for the human mind, the Bible. Okay? Well, this is what this is who L. Ron Hubbard was. L. Ron Hubbard in like nineteen forty seven with a guy named Ron Parsons who owned a company called Jet Propulsion Laboratories did this high, high level witchcraft occult working called the Babylonian working where they're trying to cause rifts in the, I don't know, third, second and third dimension or whatever to actually let the devils into our dimension. In this particular case, they were trying to let this thing called, I believe it was Mystery Babylon, into our, into our dimension. Now, I know that sounds off the wall, what I just said, but from an occult standpoint, think about this. The Holy Spirit is holding things back right now. From things getting really bad. Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the angels, the, 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 the forces of good. Because, let's, let's face it, if they weren't holding them back, and they were allowed to do whatever they wanted to do, we'd all be toast today. We'd all be dead. If we had no protection. So there is, there's truth to that, okay? Now, we know it says in Revelation that, the, that, that in the end times, the bottomless pit's going to be open. There's going to be all these new devils that are allowed to come, right? Well, people in the occult understand this. The Christians don't. So what people in the occult do, especially now more than ever, is they're trying to open up these doorways from the demonic dimension into ours. Doorways that were previously shut, but now they're trying to open them up. Why do you think it's getting so stinking wicked? You think that might have something to do with it? I know it has something to do with it. And if you're a high-level witch, you know this is the truth, what I'm saying. But you bring this up to the average Christian, they're like, oh, you're out of your stinking mind. Well, that's exactly what the devil wants you to think. Because they're not seeing this as we battle not against flesh and blood, blood against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, thrones, authorities, all these other things. We're battling. This is our real battle. Well, if these demonic, fallen angelic entities have access to us, then they can do a lot more damage. Well, that's what L. Ron Hubbard actually did. It was called the Babylonian Working. He did this in 1947, the year before Roswell. Um, this is the man that started Scientology. And the, in, this, in this email I sent Pat, it detailed all of what Scientology is, what the Scientologists say, what actual quotes from L. Ron Hubbard. You should see some of these quotes from L. Ron Hubbard. This guy's a... Oh, well, he's a Satanist. Okay. It's a cult. It's no different than the Mormons or the Jehovah Witnesses or whatever. I've had experience with this too. I had a job interview up in Clearwater. 
Guess what Clearwater is? It's the capital of Scientology. You go up to Clearwater, drive around long enough, and you'll start, you'll, you'll, it's the capital of Scientology for the whole world, I believe. Um, they've got whole apartment complexes and things up there where all Scientologists live. Because, see, if you're a Scientologist, you only want to associate with other Scientologists. You don't have a whole lot of other friends. You can't. Because it's a cult. Well, I went up for a job interview one time. Did I ever tell you the story? And these people, you know, they, I was between jobs. I was, I was with my ex-wife. I was, you know, I was under God's chastening. And I was trying to find where God wanted me to go and these types of things. And I had this job interview. I walk into this place and they show me around. I had a bad, bad feeling about this place. I just didn't like it. And the, the, the offer was probably the most insulting offer I'd ever had as a job offer. And it was probably one of the most demanding I had ever seen. So in other words, they wanted you to basically work your brains out in this thing and basically pay you next to nothing to even live on. I mean, it was an insult. Well, once I found that out, I was just going through the motions. And at the end of this tour they showed me, they took me into this room and they said, oh yes, yeah, so this is our, our room where we do a lot of our training and stuff like that. And it was all these tapes from top to bottom of all these Scientology tapes. See, they brainwash. Brainwashing, brainwashing, brainwash. I hate this stinking cult. And I expose it like all cults every chance I can get. And I said, uh, I was out of there. But God let me see that to understand. I mean, that was an evil feeling being in this practice. Big time evil feeling. And they were adherents, I believe, of Singer. Singer is the one in the chiropractic profession. It's a practice management group that uses Scientology. And what they do is they is you structure your practice and now you're making all this money, but they require a lot of money. She's already paid them fifteen grand in the last six months. And there was a testimony up there of a guy that had been in the Scientology movement for like twenty seven years and he ended up paying him two hundred thousand dollars over this twenty seven year period. And you have to devote all kind of your time every week to the cult because they have to keep you continually brainwashed. Well, she's fallen into this now. And now it's like you know, the glazed look when she when she talks to them. The demonic spirits are rooting and rooting and rooting in her further and further. And now her parents can't even hardly talk to her. She's hostile toward her mother. She's blaming her mother for everything bad that's ever happened to her. Um, she's, and she's, she's going into the classic, I'm in the occult, now I'm going to accuse you, you're the bad guy phase. So they're trying desperately. She's scheduled to go up there tonight for another week in Clearwater. Because that's where the meetings have been, Clearwater. No wonder. And uh, uh, she's, I'm doing, she's, tr she's coming to me trying to get any little thing, and I was on the phone with her for probably about an hour and a half the other night, telling her what, how I would do this if I was her, what I would do. And I told her, I said, get those quotes from L. Ron Hubbard, and it's all reference quotes from his books, from his communiques, all referenced, because she's insistent upon Pat reading this initial brainwashing book in Scientology. I said, I said, I'll tell you what, I would... You know, they said, yes, we'll look at it. I said, but what you need to do is turn back around and ask them if they'll look at what you have. What's fair is fair. I said, highlight these quotes. I said, better yet, go get a few of these books that these quotes come out of and highlight them and put them back in her face. Tab the pages and put them back and say, do you know he said this? Do you know he said It's right out of his rights. You can't accuse her of being biased. Because, I mean, I could go get on Michelle on the phone and say, yeah, did you know about the Babylonian working? Did you know he's a high-level Satanist? Do you know that, you know, all this? She's not going to receive that, okay? 
But when it comes straight from his own writings, if she won't receive that, then she's too far gone to even deal with. Ultimately, I said, you have to pray about this. I said, I'm going to be praying about it. They're definitely more of a Christian influence than my parents, so I can talk to them about the Lord more um, than I could my parents any day. And so, just for you all, I might pray about that. So her name's Michelle, and, and she needs to have her eyes open. But see, her, her problems go a lot deeper, because she's been doing muscle testing for all these years. And Satan is not just going to let somebody stay in one thing. He's going to always try to get them deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is just the next logical progression for her um, into the occult. So, I'll find out today what what happens. They're, they were going to go there this morning to confront her before she got on the plane. And, and her dad was going to confront her and say, you don't need to do this. You need, you need to take this week off, look at this research, and see how they react to you missing a week. Because their true colors may show. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but um, I'm pretty sure she's committed. She's going to leave her practice for a whole week. She's done this already two or three times. This is how much a cult can get into you if you give it if you give it an inch, it'll take a mile. And Scientology is one of the worst. And and this is one of the reasons why there's so many people in Hollywood. They're Scientologists like John Travolta, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, all these people. See, they get. They're big Hollywood deals by being the Scientologists because Scientology has a ton of influence in Hollywood. So they'll get you those good roles that you want. John Travolta for a long time never got anything after Saturday Night Fever or whatever. And then all of a sudden now he's in every movie. Well, a lot of that had to do with Scientology. You sell your soul to the devil, he'll give you the, he'll give you the goods. You know. So anyway, that was just something that happened to me this week. We'll go, uh, go ahead and continue our study in Romans, Romans chapter 9. Taylor, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, we'll start at verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, what I believe that means is that he's willing, which I can't really relate to this, he's almost willing to go to hell if, his, if, if, if the Jewish race would open their eyes. He would be willing to go to hell for that. Now, I, I don't know about that. Um, but he's, I guess what he's trying to do is show his devotion toward the Jewish race, that, that you know, he wishes he could do this. Um, because, see, Israel has been blinded, Israel has been blinded in part until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Well, when did that happen? Well, granted, it was all, it was, it was, they were blinded before Christ, during Christ, and after Christ. But what sealed the deal was when they went to Pilate and they said, uh, take away this one Jesus Christ, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, let Jesus' blood be upon us and our children. Well, that's why they've had all this problem since then, or a big, big, gigantic reason. Because you cannot reject Christ and not have it have a very, very big consequence down the road. Um, who are the Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, Romans 9, um, and the promises. Who are the fathers, and whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came? Who is overall God-blessed forever? Amen. Now, this is... 
who are the Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption? Okay, these are the he's in reference here to the true Israelites that that are that really to whom pertaineth the adoption. The Bible says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the earth. The Bible said to uh, Isaiah, "Before I formed thee in the, the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet to the nations." So see, he knows the beginning from the end. Okay, he knows who the true Jews really are. And the ones that are of the synagogue of Satan that call themselves Jews. Okay? Um, let's see here. This is, this next, there's a, there's just a side note here. This, this next portion is the distinction between the Jews who are mere natural descendants from Abraham and the Jews who are of his spiritual seed. See, the Jews don't get a get out of jail free card pass. That's not how it works. Okay, they didn't, they didn't have that beforehand. You know, just because they were born a Jew never meant they were going to go to heaven. That was never the case, ever. But that's what you, any, any almost modern day Christian thinks that, you know, and that, man, that's arrogance. Man, that's arrogant to, to believe that, that you, just because of your race, that you get, you, you don't have to uh, abide by the same rules as anybody else. So the, so it says in verse 6, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Okay, now this would apply to most of the Jews. What? Romans 9, verse 6. For they are not all... Um, the distinction is between Israel after the flesh and the mere natural posterity of Abraham and the Israelites, who through faith are also Abraham's spiritual children. Also Abraham's spiritual children. Remember, the Bible says, if you be in Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. Romans 9, verse 6, Taylor. What is wrong? It says, That's what I just read. I'm reading a note. Okay, just kind of follow along. Um... Gentiles who believe are also of Abraham's spiritual seed, but here the apostle is not considering them, but only the two kinds of Israelites, the natural and the spiritual Israel, and that's true in this particular verse. He's just talking about Israel here. The, the, the real Israelites and, and the ones that are, that are just Israel by birth. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham, are they the children? Are they all children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for seed. So, it's, it's all a matter of faith. That's all this is. It's a matter of faith. If you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. Well, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Romans fourteen six. So you don't come, you don't become Abraham's seed unless you do it through Jesus Christ. That's it. It's the free gift you you have to freely receive. For the word is a promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah had also conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil. Now see, that says right now, when you're born, being yet born, then you have not done any good or evil. There's just a 
interesting point there, more than anything. That the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth him. So it's not of works you're saved, lest any man should boast. Ephesians you know, 9 and 11. But these are people of the election that are called. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Well, Esau despised his birthright. He despised his birthright. In reality, almost every Jew nowadays has despised their birthright. Now, we know, I believe, one-third will be saved through the tribulation. Two-thirds are going to die, though. I think that's pretty clear in Malachi, that that's going to happen. So still, even then, even during the tribulation, two-thirds are going to despise their birthright. Um, that's why That's why it's written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Well, how could he love Jacob? His name meant usurper. He was the smooth one. Esau was the hairy one. Whatever that means. Anyway, but, so, they... <laughs> You got Jacob, and he was he was he was a manipulator. He did all this. He used all this deception in order to get this birthright. But I don't know. God honored it. God honored it. Um, whereas Esau despised his birthright, sold it for a bowl of pottage, lentil soup, essentially. And then when he tried to, you know, get it back with tears, seeking it with tears, the Bible says that you know there was no there was no space for repentance. It was it was over. He made his choice. So, you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, the Bible calls Lot a righteous man. I mean, I almost feel that same way when it, when it says, Jacob have I loved. How, Jacob didn't do a lot of really honorable stuff, to be honest with you. I mean, if you really look at his life. But, I don't know, God sees the heart. You know, David didn't do a lot of honorable stuff either. You know, he was a murderer, he was an adulterer, these types of things. Not that I'm judging David, in any stretch of the imagination. But God looks at the heart, and, and he can see things that we can't see. And he knows what our motivation is. Um, and he also knows that we're not perfect. And if we fear him, the Bible says that I will pity and have mercy upon them that fear me. So I believe there was that, I believe that there was that fear of God in these people's lives, that, that God caused God to look at them through different glasses almost. It's almost like he looked at these certain people, but when you had a person like Esau that despised his birthright, that obviously had no fear of God, God looked at him through a different set of glasses. It's almost like, you're going to despise my free gift? This is a free gift you were given by birth. You were despising this? Okay, that's your... But it was a type. Esau was like a type of, of person that rejects Christ. Particularly, Esau was really like a type of Jew that rejects Christ, because that was his birthright. Okay, so it's just a little interesting point there. What shall we say then? Is there any unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. That's God's job. That's God's, that's his deal. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But I guarantee you something. Mercy and compassion are always tied in with the fear of God. He's not going to have mercy and compassion on somebody that just is defiant toward God and doesn't fear him. That's why we have to come, the Bible says, unless you come to him as a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, if you come to anybody as a little child, you're generally coming to them in a, in a mode of humility. And, oh God, have mercy on me. 
I mean, a little kid that's afraid of their dad is not going to come to them like, yeah, what are you going to do, dad? Although, of course, a lot of kids are like that today. But they're generally not going to do that. They're gonna, it's, it's, it takes humility, you know. And, and so, the God, I, I think God honors humility as much as he does anything. Because humility and fear of the Lord. Because if you have those two attributes, even if God has to chasten you, there is still an infinitely higher chance of you getting through this life and, and, and um, um, being pleasing to God than there is, than if you have pride in your life and no fear of God, then you have virtually no chance of ever getting saved. You just, it's, it's just not there. You can't, you can't do it apart from that. But that's not even talked about when people are leading other people to the Lord anymore. It's, it's just, you know, say this prayer and, and then, you know, go live like the devil. Um, so, it says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So it's, it's up to God. God's the one that shows mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will hardeneth, and whom he will hardeneth. So what did he do? He hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why did he do that? That his name might be declared throughout all the earth. That's why he sent the plagues. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, that's up to God. Now, God knows the beginning from the end. He knew Pharaoh wasn't going to ultimately end up yielding. He knew this. I mean, you talk about generational witchcraft. You talk about the least likely person on earth that would ever get saved would be an Egyptian pharaoh, who they proclaimed themselves as God on earth. All the pharaohs did. They were God. They would be worshipped as gods. Well, you're going to have a pretty tough time leading that guy to the Lord. Because he is God. How are you going to lead him to the Lord, you know? I mean, and not only that, that would require humility. Huh. You don't have none of that. <laughs> Fear of God, you don't got none of that either. So, see... He just used Pharaoh for, for, his, for his bidding there. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth, yet, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say, unto, say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the powder power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Hey, I don't know. That's, that's God's deal. Now, does that sound fair? Not really. But you know something? I'm not God. I'm not God. But that's the, what he said. He has the potter. He's the potter of all of us. He's the potter of both good and evil. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All things were made by Him, and, not, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He is the creator of all mankind. Not just of the saved, but of the unsaved also. I don't know, that's, that's God's deal. I mean, but see, some people would read this and say, well, I, don't, I hate God or whatever, whatever, because they would read something like this and say, that's not fair. And they would also use this verse as an as excuse for them to live like the devil. I can't help the way God made me. He made me like the devil. So therefore, I'm going to live like the devil. Well, I don't know. He knows the beginning from the end, okay? 
Um, I have a note here to go to 2 Timothy 2.20. I'm just going to check that real quick and see what that says. Second Timothy 2.20 says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of also wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So now see, this is something that you can purge yourself of. You have the option. God doesn't just force you to be a devil. It says, if a man, if, if a man therefore purge, he's got to do it. Himself of these, he shall be a vessel in honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. So unless you do do these things, that he can't use you. And prepared unto every good work. Well, the ultimate result of all this is good works. But that's not how we get saved. But the ultimate byproduct of this should be good works. It should be, ultimately. Um... I'm just reading this note that I had here. So, this would, um, you know, this is why we should always be in a repentant mindset. But this is conditional. This is conditional. Repentance is a change of mind, not an act. Well, actually, it's both, really. It's a change of mind that leads to the act. And a surrender of the will to the Lord, and which, if real, will affect the heart. And the heart will affect the will, which ultimately will lead to the fruit of repentance. God will not pardon a rebel that has not given up his rebellion. Repentance is the correction of rebellion. It's a pretty interesting way to look at it. Repentance is the correction of rebellion. Huh. I got some good notes in here. Um, I don't know where I got them, but I wrote them as I was doing sermons and stuff. (laughs) Um... Repentance and grace are gifts, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So even the repentance, so even through repentance we cannot take credit, for it is God's glory. Repentance and faith are graces we have achieved and not goals we have achieved. Hmm. Yeah, Galatians 2, 16 even points out the faith is Jesus Christ's faith. Let me just read that real quick. Galatians 2.16 says, Galatians 2.16, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ, even that we, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Amen. So, anyway, um, So we go to verse 22, and it says, What if God, willing to show his wrath, and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? See, God, God endures this with long suffering. When, when, when we have all these vessels of wrath walking around, he, ha- he endures this with long suffering. But these, these vessels are being fitted to destruction, they're being prepared for destruction. That's hard to comprehend. And that he might make known the riches of the glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared afore, prepared unto glory. 
So the vessels who he's had mercy on, now he's prepared them unto his glory. Even us, whom he hath called not only the Jews, but also of the Gentiles. So, um, then verse 25. As he saith also in O.C. What's O.C.? Okay. I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not my beloved. Now, now we're starting to talk about the Gentiles, who have been grafted in the wild olive branch. Now we're starting to talk about them. Before we were only talking about the Jews. Now we'll start talking about the Gentiles, us, in this room. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall, be, there shall be called the children of the living God. You are not my people, there shall be called the children of the living God. So in other words, those that were not God's people, now they shall be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, or a, member, a remnant shall be saved. For he shall finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And, and as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been a Sodoma and been as made unto Gomorrah. So in other words, God always preserves a remnant. Had he not done that, then we would have all been wiped out. Okay, as they warned Sodom and Gomorrah. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. Always comes back to faith, every single time. I'm really glad it's that way, because if it was based on works, there's no way we could ever attain it. We couldn't do it. But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because no man is justified by the law. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Now, you know, I don't understand how a Messianic Jew, of course, they've got their Jerusalem Bible, so who knows what it says. I, but I, I just don't understand they can read this and not have it so obvious that, that we've got to just avoid this works thing, this law of works... I mean, as far as justification for salvation, you better avoid this. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So, to the, to the average Jew, Jesus Christ was a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. It was, it, was a, it was an offense to them to believe that now a Savior could come and they couldn't be saved by all their works anymore. Of course, even back then it was a faith. They had lost sight of that also. It was still a faith. You still had to have faith to believe. But they, it had totally turned into a works-based religion. And it had been added to, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, many more laws. And so, when Jesus came along, all this was threatened. All this big religious junk that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had created was now threatened, 
And that's why Jesus to them was a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Because this is the way they had done it for all these hundreds of years. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is saying this is different. And they couldn't give that up. Why? Because of pride. Because of their a lot of reasons. So we go to chapter 10. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So see, zeal without knowledge is a dangerous thing. That's any cult. Almost every cult has a lot of zeal in it, but it's not according to true knowledge. Now this is implying true knowledge here. For you're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee and thy children. That's a pretty strong thing. So you really got to be careful what knowledge you're embracing. Because if you're not embracing the right knowledge, you could wind up in hell. Most people will wind up in hell for embracing the wrong knowledge. You know? Um, this is the basis of all false religions. Zeal. Without true knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, that's what it's always about in all these other religions, they just want to have it their way, Burger King religion. You know? Have it your way. And, and, and in this vein, we're talking about self-righteousness. The futile effort of a man to work out under law a character which God can approve. That's, that's the basis for all religions. It's a futile attempt of man to work out before their God, whatever they call it, whether it's Allah, whether it's God, whether it's whoever, Confucius, to work out a religion based on their own self-righteousness. They would rather go to hell and do it this way. I, I just don't, it don't want to make any sense to me. But that's the way they want it. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The Bible says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Well, try to tell that to a Messianic Jew. Oh, you're wrong, brother. Whatever. I mean, you've got a lot of scriptures you've got to twist as a Messianic Jew. A lot. I, I'll be honest with you, anymore, I just avoid, I avoid them all. I, I've gotten to the point where I just, I avoid them all. I, they're all so far off in error. Charismatics, the, the, the um, Messianic Jews, the, the, I don't even, I don't even like commonly dialoguing with them anymore, hardly, because when you do that, and you come into agreement with them, you, 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 become, you become deceived. You become open to deception. And it's a spiritual thing. You can't see it happening. So, you know, I've gotten to that point pretty much, especially after this last Prophecy Club tour. Oh, yeah, I, I just, and, and, and I don't want to hear them either. I've just gotten to that point where, where I don't, I mean, you try and you try and you try, and, and people just don't care. You know? Yeah, we were just talking about the remnant, and this is the sign in the times of the remnant. That, that um, 
you know, there's just going to be very, very, very few people that, that embrace truth. And I, I really think that America's had its chance. I really, I just can't see a lot of anybody else getting um, accepting anymore in this country. That's why I would have no problem if God called me out of this country. I'd have no problem with it whatsoever. Because I'm sick of it. I, I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if I'm sick of it, God's way more sick of it. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna get any better. It's, it's just not. It's, it's not going to, um, get any better until it gets really, really nasty. That's the only thing that's gonna probably get some people to repent is if it gets really, really nasty. Um, that's the only thing I can see doing it. So, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend unto heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. Word of faith. It's always about faith. Which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This is the gospel. Okay? This is the good news. Shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Okay, but you've got to confess it with your mouth. Now that's not something that's many times said. That you need to confess this with your mouth. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's why, and then this, the verse 10 tells you why it's this way. Why is it you've got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart? Well, verse 10 tells you why. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So the heart is important here. Now, the heart is deceitful above all things. And, there's, and that's why you've got to really... If a Christian gets saved and they're really saved, then there should be evidence of that salvation. Has your heart deceived you? You know, but the heart is how man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, "Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed." That's why you confess it with your mouth, okay? Because you could believe it in your heart and just say a silent prayer, and nobody ever knows, and there's no evidence of it, and that's not really proven you're not ashamed, you know. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. There's, the Bible says there's no difference between Jew and Greek. No difference. Oh, don't tell that to uh, that one guy in Texas. Hagee. Yeah, don't tell that to him. Oh, no, the Jews get a get out of jail card free pass or whatever, according to that guy. All these, all these uh, guys that are Messianic Jews and the ones that dress up like rabbis and all this other junk. Give me a break. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. It's a matter of calling upon Him. And in order for you to call upon Him truly, you've got to have faith. You're not going to call upon something you don't have faith in. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise the Lord. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? Exactly. That's about faith. Again, it comes back to faith. How can you call upon something you never even believed on? 
Many more people call out to the stinking gray aliens before they call out to the Lord. They got more faith in the stinking gray aliens. Well, I saw them one night. They came and abducted me. They're more real to me than God. Dude, that's who you want to be your God? Help yourself, as Travis Lane used to say. But that gray alien is going to do nothing but take you to the pit of hell. Or your guru, or your religious leader, or whoever you're calling upon. If you're in a church and, 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 and your pastor's preaching a false gospel, the Bible says that anyone that preached not according to this gospel, let him be accursed. And then it says again, and I say again, let him be cursed. Accursed. Anathema. Well, that's pretty strong words. That's not a, a message of love. That's what the Bible says. Let him be accursed. There's a lot of people that are accursed. Most pastors, 99% of all pastors, I would say, are basically in that category at this point. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm too high in that. But you know something? Most of them are not reading the King James Bible. Most of them are corporations for profit. They're, oh, it's not for profit. Oh, yes, it is for profit. Don't get to please. As, they, as many of these same churches right now hold their pumpkin sales. Yeah. Yeah, get that jack-o'-lantern going. Get that jack-o'-lantern going. Get all that pagan stuff. Just combine it in. Well, hey, it works for the Catholics. They were the ones that started it. You know, that, that's what these, these documentaries always do. They always say, when Christianity started in 1318, or, or I mean 318, when Constantine saw a vision of God, and I'm thinking, that's not Christianity. Christianity, the Bible says they were first called Christians in Antioch. These were the, basically the disciples that went on to convert other people that ended up getting saved. These are the true Christians. Constantine was not a Christian. He was considered the first pope. He was an antichrist. He was accursed. He is accursed. He's in hell. And every other pope. Unless they got saved, and I don't see a whole lot of evidence of that from any of them. That's not Christianity. But yet, they, they just lump it all in there. Oh, this is modern day Christianity. They, they, they go to the Catholics. Please. But it's, it's an easy scapegoat for them, and it's an easy way to demonize all of Christianity. Because you can look at the Catholics easy and say, well, look at the Inquisition. They killed millions and millions of Christians. That's who they mostly killed. Well, they killed some witches, too. Well, whatever. They're straight from the pit of hell. That whole religion, the Catholics are. And they're going to hell. And every one of these puke Marian apparitions and these mother Medjugorje and all this other junk where they go around and they, they, they get on their knees and, and they do all this penance and they say their rosaries and they believe they're going to purgatory and limbo. It's all from the pit of hell. Every bit of it. There's no biblical basis for one bit of it. Not one bit. It's all a lie. Show me that in the Bible. Show me that in your corrupt um, American Standard Version. It's not even in your corrupt American Standard Version. Even they, I mean, they got to go to all these extra biblical books like the book of Maccabees and all this other junk to get that, that stuff. I don't, I, I get so angry about this because these religions are taking people to hell. So I'm not going to be kind about this. They're, the Bible says, let them be accursed. They're taking people to hell. Isn't that something to get fired up about? Isn't that something to get, maybe get mad about? I take great offense to it. And they would have tried to take me to hell had I given them the opportunity. I went to a Catholic high school. So, it says then, how then shall they be called 
shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? This is why I'm big on tracks, because a, a track may be the only, any day, and I, I, I mean, I just don't see any type of true gospel being preached anymore. Um, how shall they preach except they be sent, which is, a, which is a justification for missionaries, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, here's another reason that, that I believe that there's, there's going to be very, very few saved in this country. Because the time of harvest is past. See, there's a time of harvest. And then there's a time of gleaning. And then there's a time of letting the, the, the seed come up before you can harvest. Well, think about that. Okay, well, that means that every single culture is not always going to have the same proportion of people getting saved because they're going to be in harvest time or maybe gleaning or maybe there, there's the seed time. Well, harvest time in this country, you'd probably have to go back, you know, 100 to 200 years ago in that, that time from really 1611 to 1881 um, uh, when 1611 was when the King James Bible was released and then you have the time to 1881 when the Revised Version came out. I believe that was really the time of harvest in America. Because we had a true word of God. It was, it, was, um, it was the time when America was getting founded. There was many great revivals, these types of things. And then around 1881, Westcott and Hort came out with the 1881 Revised Version. Perversion of the Sinaiticanus and the Vaticanus Bible combined into one. And then they started corrupting the Word of God, watering it down. It was also the same time the Jehovah Witnesses started, the Mormons started, um, a lot of the charismatic junk started, the Seventh-day Adventists started. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a time when, somewhat, where we started getting the registered churches. Of course, that really kicked in more so around the 1930s, but it was a progression. And then you got in from that time period, from 1881 until now, you have the Laodicean church here, where we have the great falling away. The Bible predicts in Revelation, the Bible said it was going to happen. It says, you're neither whole nor cot, cold nor hot, or you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. So, I believe that was really the time of harvest in this country. Now, we have some countries right now that are going through harvest. Like, I believe India is probably one of those countries. Uh, of all the countries I've seen right now, India seems to be one of the ones that have had a lot of um, real true conversions. Now, you also, normally when you have real true conversions, you typically will have a lot of persecution. So, there's, I don't believe there's a whole lot of hope for that to happen in this country because the time of harvest is past. So we have some gleaning left, but then again, that's another reason why I would have no problem leaving this place because it's, 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 we're in a gleaning mode. My efforts in, in a, your efforts in an environment like this in America where, where the harvest has come and passed, is your efforts, it's going to be hard to maximize your efforts as a Christian in an environment where people are not receptive to the gospel. They don't want to hear it. They don't care. And they're not going to get it in the church. And everything you're telling them is contradictory to everything they've heard. And they're reluctant to believe you because of that. Because how could the pastors be wrong? Oh, well, they're, 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 they go to school for all this or whatever. I'm glad I didn't go to school for that. I mean, I'm really glad I didn't. Have one of the cemeteries brainwashing me? It's just basically like going, getting into a cult anymore, going to a seminary. They'll ruin you. Ruin you. You might as well go join a Mormon because you're just going to take people to hell too. 
as the modern day typical pastor, all they're designed to do is placate the masses, get the money, and basically damn people to hell. That's what they're doing. That's no different than the Mormons. At least the Mormons are being a little more honest. At least they're, they're at least they're being more cultish. It would be better to be more cultish than 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 to put on this guise of Christianity and 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 act as though oh everything's great. I think I think that modern day apostate Christianity is more an abomination in God's eyes than a Mormon or Jehovah Witnesses. Granted, they are using a little bit of a Christian angle, the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses, but not to the extent that the modern-day lukewarm church is. Um, so, you have then, um, how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they... But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I've quoted that verse many times. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, that's a principle. Maybe that would be a, a scriptural principle for playing um, the King James Bible in your house. It's a faith builder. Even if it's on at a low level, even if you're not even, even if it's not on audible, where you're able to hear the words all the time, th those words are still going forth. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just think about it. Be it'd be a real good indicator to play King James Bible, and I, I have a King James Bible CD going on, essentially twenty four seven all the time, over and over and over. Not all the times at a real high level, but it's playing. And I guarantee another thing, the devils don't like it, and they hear it. So there's a certain amount, I believe, of protection you're appropriating when you have that word of God going, and they can't stand hearing the word of God. So, something to think about. Sure can't hurt. I know that. Sure can't hurt. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I... But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation will I anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all the day long have I stretched forth my fans unto hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So, he's commending the, the, the Gentile races here more than he is the, the, the Jews, because he refers to the Jews, he says, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Gainsaying. I, I want gain. I want gain. The, the Bible says that they suppose this gain is godliness. Now, that's the modern day lukewarm church. They suppose gain is godliness. Well, I got my stadium Smiley, smiley boy Joel Olston, he's got his stadium. He packs him in every week. He's got that big globe spinning behind him real slow. Nice big pewter globe. I need to get one of those for this. You know, we got a big enough space back here now. You could get one in there. You could get it back there. Big globe. We'll, we'll take up a special offering for that later. We'll love offering for the globe. Yeah, we. that's right. We could just have a disco ball back there. I don't know. Something like that. So, yeah, we, we could be like Smiley Joe. Now, now Smiley Joe supposes that gain is godliness. You know, all these guys. TBN. You ever see TBN set with 
Paul Crouch, who is, who is a total rabid homosexual, had, had, a, had a homosexual affair with a, with a younger black man. And the black man framed him. Yeah, young stud black man. Yeah, but the black man came and said, unless you give me 400000 I think it was 400000 300000 I'm going to frame you. And he did it anyway. But, you know, we'll still receive him. Well, it was all over. The, it was well proven. The guy wrote it. I mean, but, you know, they, he's still the head of TBN. Anything goes, man. Anything goes. He's the head of Trinity Broadcasting Network, the main apostate Christianity. And I have a friend, lady, that I've been trying to counsel for two years. And you know something? She always said, well, I always, I always have Christian, I have Sky Angel on or whatever. She had T-Man on. And you know something? I can't even talk to her anymore. I have no desire to even call her anymore because you cannot immerse yourself in lies and deception and these demonic spirits that emanate from these preachers and not expect to be affected. You can't do it. It's impossible. And it's like one day I just woke up and I had no more desire to even talk to her. It's like I had tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to point out all these apostate preachers and all these shows. And you know something? All my efforts, it seems like, have fell on deaf ears. So you know something? Have it your way. Have it your way. That's pretty much my attitude toward most Christians. Because I've done years and years of trying. Of trying and trying. People don't want, most people don't want this help. Most people don't want it. They want to have it their way. And that's fine. Um, so it says, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a nation, foolish nation, will I anger you. Well, they're talking about to Israel. Now, who's going to provoke them to jealousy? Well, the Gentiles that get saved, the wild olive branches that are grafted in. That's who's going to do this. Once they get their eyes open, right now they're not really provoked to jealousy. Because they don't even see this yet. Why? Because blindness of part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Most likely at the start of the tribulation, the emphasis is going to start shifting more back to the Jew and their eyes are going to start slowly being opened. Of course, we know for three and a half years their eyes still aren't open in the tribulation because they let this Antichrist figure come to power so much so that he goes into the temple and on, in the, uh, at the midpoint of the three and a half year tribulation, he commits the abomination of desolation where he goes in there and proclaims that he is of God, that he's God. Then they finally start getting their eyes open. But that's when he gets nasty. That's when the real killing starts. Okay? But, but up until that point, the Jews are still deceived. If you think about it, they're still deceived. They still have it. Now, I'm not saying that some of them aren't getting their eyes open, because I don't believe those 144,000 male Jew virgins are just totally in the dark and in worshiping any Christ up until the midpoint of the three and a half year tribulation. I think they're starting to figure it out. But that's not very many people. 144,000? 12,000 of each tribe? And then they're going to be sealed in their forehead, and then they're going to go preach. Okay, so... How it's all going to play out 100%, I, I can't say 100% for sure. I've got a pretty good idea. Um, so, then it says, I say then, this is, oh, verse, chapter 11. Um, I say then, hath God cast away his people, God forbid. For I am, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Now he, what we're doing here now is we're getting some perspective here. We're not just basically... Some, some preachers would stop there and say, Oh, see? All the promises that Jews are bad. British Israelism. British Israelism. The Dominionists. Okay, theology. They would stop 
at chapter 10, what I just read you, and just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, no, no, we're the elect now. There's no more, more room for Jew. They've rejected Christ on the cross. Now we're the, we're the head honchos. We're going to bring in the kingdom. No, let's, let's read on. That's why I'm really big on having balance in Scripture. You can't just, this is how cults get started. You take one chapter or one verse out of Scripture, you twist it and contort it to your own meaning, and now you got your own cult. Like British Israelism or Dominionism. Chapter 11. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Wot ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars. I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Even back then there was a remnant. Even, even at the time of the apostles. Well, that's what they were. The apostles were part of the remnant. Um, according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. For by grace you're saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2.11 and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. See, if grace was of works, then it's no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Um, so, even then, he's always reserved a remnant of the Jews. There's still Jews today that are truly saved. I don't believe they should be in the Messianic Jewish thing, though. I don't. I don't. I've seen too much bad fruit from that. It's too much going back to works. I'm afraid that what they're doing is, is they're drawing back into perdition, as the Bible talks about in Hebrews. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. And the rest were blinded. Well, that says a lot right there. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. Ultimately, everybody's seeking for heaven. Or wherever, whatever interpretation they think heaven is. Even a Satanist thinks hell's going to be a big party. Ultimately, every single religion in the world is not seeking to be damned. None of them are. Not even the Hinduism or Buddhism. Even though that's where they're all going, they're, they're still told a lie. That's why it says here, I believe, Israel have not obtained that which he seeketh for. Even though they may be living like the devil, even though they may have rejected Christ, they in their own minds are not going to obtain that which they seeketh for. They think they're going to heaven. They think, but they're not going to obtain it. But the election hath obtained it. Well, who is the election? Well, right where it said there's a remnant according to the election of grace. 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. That's, a, that's an example of the remnant. But the election hath obtained it. The election hath. They're elected. God foreknew everything. Now, we got to be careful here about getting into Calvinism. Because, well, I'm part of the election. Therefore, I need to do nothing more. Because I'm a good guy. I'm special. 
I'm a neato kind of guy. I'm better than you. You know? You don't want to get into that either. But it's the first thing that a man in pride would want to do. Well, look at me. I'm sp- All these religions feel the same way. They're the only ones going to heaven. The charismatics, we're special because we speak in tongues. We have the gift of the Spirit. We're, we're, we're filled with the Spirit. Yeah, what Spirit are you filled with? The Bible says that the, the, the gift of tongues is the one that we should seek after the least. It was the least important gift, yet they act as though it's the most. Well, they got some stuff backwards with that. Um, you've got the Mormons thinking they're the only ones. They're going to they're gonna dwell... Um, uh, they believe that their God lives in the planet Kolob and they're, they're going to dwell in spiritual tabernacles with many spiritual wives that they're going to be given after this and they're going to have their own planet. That's what Mormons believe. That's what they believe. The Jehovah Witnesses believe that if they're part, they're, they're always... The Jehovah Witnesses think that they're going to be... The ultimate attainment for Jehovah Witness would be to be one of the 144,000. That's what they're... That's what, that's what the ultimately the Jehovah Witnesses believe is the highest thing you could attain to as a Jehovah Witness. Well, how do you get to that? By works. By works. How arrogant. How stinking arrogant. I was up on a message board, a Christian message board, and I was trying to... These people out there saying, yeah, man, I think I'm going to be one of the 144,000, you know? It was these, it was these kids. They, they don't know no, no doctrine whatsoever. I was pointing these things out. I says, oh, Marie, so you think that you're one of the male... Jewish versions, she was a, like a girl saying this. Oh, I'm going to be one of 144,000. I said, oh, so you are a male Jewish virgin. And what tribe are you from? Well, <laughs> I think that, no, there you just messed up. You think. You think. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You think. I had a, uh, th- this week, um, this guy came to me, and he, he uh, he's one of my patients. He has a very, very, very rich guy. And he has a, um, he had a personal assistant. Her name was Suzanne. And she just had been seeing this guy for like the last two or three months. His name was Phil, okay? She referred me Phil. I did not have a good feeling about this guy as a patient whatsoever. I had no good feeling about him. He... I just did not have a good feeling about this guy. He was very, very sick. At least he claimed to be. Whether it was hypochondriacism, I don't know. But he was also a very, very, um, I don't know, the word pathetic comes to mind. Just dealing with the guy. But yet, he wanted to always be right when we got into conversations about nutrition and stuff. Like, he, though he knew more than me. And I'm thinking, wow, I've devoted my whole life to this. And this guy's acting like he knows more than me. Maybe I have something a little offer to him that, that he's not getting into. Obviously, the guy's an absolute total physical wreck in every way, shape, and form, yet he thinks he knows more than me. Okay, whatever. So I prescribed him this thing, he got on it, and immediately he started having all these reactions. Now, these are, these are supplements that I've never seen anybody react off, ever. They're like enzymes you take with food and stuff. Not things that really set people off, typically. But it did, it did fill. It did fill, though. He was special. And, you know, I got in all these conversations with him, and I, I devoted all this time. And the Bible says, throwing out your, casting out your pearls to the swine. That's what I started really thinking with this guy, that, he, you know, there was no way I was going to tell him anything anyway. Why am I bothering? And this woman that had referred me to him, that was the personal assistant to this man, that had referred me her, 
Well, if you hang around with dogs, you're going to get fleas. I started having an increasingly bad feeling about her now. This this woman that he was seeing, that was the personal assistant to this man that I know. I kept having this increasingly bad feeling about her. And at first I didn't have that feeling. Well, I emailed her the other day because she owed me some money. And email came right back to me. I emailed this guy. And he says, oh, he says, uh, Suzanne's totally abandoned us. She's ran off with this guy. She said God told her to do it. She said, and, and now she's going to go serve Phil, her God, basically. It's basically what it was is that Phil got into her head. Demon, I believe this guy was demon-possessed. I truly do. I believe that's why he had a lot of his health stuff. In fact, I felt that way, but how do you bring that out on a patient console? Well, Phil, I really believe that your main problem is you're demon-possessed to the toenails, and this is why all these physical manifestations are happening. So now we need, you know, you need to get rid of these demonic entities. I mean, the guy was beyond a baby Christian. He knew, no, he knew no scripture. Yet, this was the person she decided to follow. Why? Most likely because she was having sex with the guy. Now, I can't say that for sure. But most likely, that's the reason that'll happen. Because when you join flesh with flesh, there's a dynamic that takes place as far as a demonic spiritual exchange, which is unlike anything that you could ever go. That's why when you're in a relationship with somebody like that, you will get blinded, like I was for three and a half years. And before that, for three and a half more years. Sorry. So, I've been there, done it. I'm not... You know, from that standpoint, I'm not judging. Yes, I was totally blind, but she's blinded now. And she says God told her to do this. Oh, okay, so, and I, I emailed this guy back, and I said, you know, there is a way with Seemeth right unto man, and, and all these other things. I said, I said the, thing, the thing that she's not understanding is that, is, is that what, and what, I said all that to say this, is whatever she's feeling, if that goes against the word of God, then her feelings have totally failed her and she's being lied to. I said, everything you're telling me, in other words, God told her to throw every bit of integrity she's ever had out the window, to burn every bridge she could burn with every Christian she knew, and to abandon them, to totally turn their back on them and walk away, and to backstab them in the process. So God told her to do this. Wow. Well, that's not the God I serve. But that's what she did. And she, and she did it, justified it from God. This is what happens, particularly with charismatics. Particularly with charismatics. Because they really believe they have this special relationship with God. And because they're speaking in tongues, and it's 99% of the time, I believe, a false tongue, if not 100. And basically, they're thinking that I have this special relationship. It's like muscle testing. It's like any new age technique. You start thinking, I've got this special connection with God that nobody else has, and you open yourself up to deception, you open yourself up to these spirits, and you start believing what they're telling you. That's what happened to her. I've been there, I've done it, okay? But, thank God he pulled me out of it. I don't think, I, I don't know, I, I just, but anyway, that was another thing that happened to me this week, among other many other things. Um, so, um, oh, I guess it's about time to end here. Uh, let's see here. Let me just end here. And if by grace, then no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more of grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. And the rest were blinded. The Jews. Blindness in part has happened to the Jew to the fullness of the Gentile come in. According to it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. Who is this? The Jews. The unbelieving Jews. 
eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. The Bible says, God hardeneth whom he hardeneth. I don't know. All I know is I don't want to be the one hardened. Because that's a death sentence. If you're hardened. You know, uh, and, and, well, 1 Timothy 4.1, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having speaking lies and hypocrisy, and ultimately having their conscience seared with a hot iron. If you have your conscience seared with a hot iron, I don't see how you could be saved. I, I just don't see how that's happening. And Davis saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Well, now that is one of these rep- um, imprecatory prayers that would, David would say in like Psalms. Now, you don't see a whole lot of this imprecatory prayer stuff nowadays, but I pray Psalm 64, you know, just about every day in regard to my enemies. Now, ultimately, I'm not praying that so they all go to hell. I'm praying that, that those that can be saved would be saved, and those that can't be saved, or those that would be saved, could be saved. Because most people aren't going to get saved until unless it gets real bad. Um, and so, and David said, let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Now, that's in the New Testament. They're quoting that in the New Testament. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back away. Well, now, this is, this is kind of, in a way, a salvation self-check, if you think about it. Because if you're, if you're dealing with somebody, and their eyes have been darkened that they cannot see, and what you're telling them is not registering, well, most likely, how are they saved? How are they saved if they're, if they're living a lie? How could they be saved? Now, if you are saved, and you believe you're saved, because there's a lot of salvation self-checks I think you can do. Now, I'm not to talk about works-based salvation. I mean, fruit of the salvation. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness. Or is there chastening on your life? These types of things. Do you have any fear of God in your life? Are you living a separated lifestyle? These types of things. Um, are you living in truth? This is why I question so much the salvation of so many people, because they're not living in truth. They're living a total lie. Well, they're such sweet people. They're so, have they sought truth? Above all seeketh knowledge, above all seeketh understanding and wisdom. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more. And I will also reject your children. Because you have rejected knowledge, then you're not going to be a priest to him no more? What does the Bible refer to us as saved Christians? Kings and priests. It does say that. It says we're heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs. It says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's a pretty good deal. But are you there? But rather through their salvation, that, then it says, it, um, that their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back always. I say then, have they, meaning the Jews, stumbled, that they should fall? God forbid. See, the Bible keeps bringing it back on point here. This isn't a condemnation of the Jews, like we should say, oh, you know, they're terrible. It says, God forbid. But rather through their salvation... Through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles. If they hadn't fallen, you know, we wouldn't have that same opportunity, I don't believe. Because it says right there, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles. For to provoke them to jealousy. Now that will ultimately be during the tribulation, I believe they will be provoked to jealousy. Because right now I see them being provoked to jealousy. <laughs> now if the fall of them be the riches of the world... Because it is. It's the riches of the world. Why would it say that? Because the world is basically the Gentile race, pretty much. 
And what greater riches can you have than the gift of salvation, eternal life? That's real riches. Okay? Now, if the fall of them, meaning the Jews, be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office, if by any means I may provoke emulation them which are my flesh, meaning the Jews. Emulation meaning they want what you got. Emulation. I want to emulate him. And might save some of them. It says it might save some. That's what the Bible is all about. You're going to save some. You're not going to save the majority. Narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Narrow. It's just the way it is. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the casting away of them be the reconciling... See, by the casting away of the Jews, the world then can now be reconciled unto Christ. That's what that means. Okay? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. Again, this is like Proverbs 11, verse 3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Okay, so if, if the um, first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy. If the root be holy, also the branches are. Okay, so if, the, if the ter- a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. If the, trees, if the trunk of the tree is holy, then the branches are going to be holy. Because the branches feed from the trunk of the tree. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. Who are the branches? The true branches are the real are the Jews. The Jews who are really the true physical seed of Abraham. Physically. Okay? Those are those are originally the true branches. We are the wild olive tree grafted in among them. That's what we are, it's Gentiles. That's what we are. Okay? And with them partakest of the root, both the wild olive branches and the and the in the original branches both partakest of the fatness of the root. Well, who is Jesus Christ? The root and offspring of Jesse. He says he's the root. You follow me? So he's the root and offspring of Jesse. So we will partakeeth of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. All of the, the actual olive tree is Jesus Christ. I am, I am the vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. John, John 15. I'm just going to go to verse 25. Here. I know I'm a little bit over. Um, oh, you get, uh, let's do the, the uh, Baptist salute. <laughs> um. <laughs> some of the branches be broken off, and now being a wild olive tree, we're grafted in among them, and with them partake us of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Boast not against the branches. Now, these are the, these. this would be like a Gentile boasting against a Jew that was saved. Okay? Boast not against the branches, which is what a lot of people do today. British Israeliism does it, most of all, that's a, that's a religion that where they believe that, that we have supplanted and taken the place of the Jews. Okay? That's what British Israelism believes. I also believe Dominionism believes that to a certain extent because they believe that they're going to usher in the kingdom and all kind of unbiblical junk. So, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. 
But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root. So be careful. This is not something you want to be boasting against the Jews on either. See, you have a balance here. The Jews aren't all evil, damned people to hell, and at the same time, they don't get a jail out of free card pass. You know, there's no balance in modern day Christianity. It's all one way or the other. Thou will say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. That would be boasting. That would be, and I mean, that's pretty bad. You said, oh, well, they were broken off that I could be grafted in, these Jews, because God knew I was more special than the Jews. Don't say that either. You know, that you, <laughs> you got to be careful. Well, thou will say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. The Jews' unbelief. And thou standest by faith. Oh, here we go, faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Fear. Oh, here we go again. Fear, faith. There's a connection there. The fear of God will lead you to faith. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of knowledge. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So there's a lot of really good stuff connected with fear of the Lord. Um, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Good point. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. The goodness and severity. We have balance. Goodness on this scale, severity on this one. Of them which fell severity, on them which fell severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. Whoo! That don't sound good to me. The Bible says it. You know, I'm sorry, but the Bible says this. If thou continue in his goodness, his goodness. In other words, it's not works-based religion. You're doing it through the Lord, his goodness. Otherwise, thou shalt also be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. So we were unbelievers before we got saved, and then we were grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted in their own olive tree? This was really their, in a way, their birthright. In a way, it was their birthright. Now, granted, through their unbelief, they, like Esau, pushed away their birthright. And we were grafted in. Okay, so, you just got to be careful here, What you don't want to boast against them. For I would not, brethren, that ye be ignorant of this mystery, because this is like a mystery, this is hard to comprehend this, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Um, remnant, summary. In the history of Israel, a remnant may be discerned, a spiritual Israel within the national Israel. In Elijah's time, 7,000 had not bowed the knee to Baal. In Isaiah's time, it was a very small remnant who, for whose sake God still forbore to destroy the nation. During the captivities, the remnant appears in Jews like Ezekiel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Esther, and Mordecai. At the end of the 70 years of Babylonian captivity, it was the remnant which returned under Ezra and Nehemiah. At the advent of the Lord, John the Baptist, Simon, Anna, and them that looked for redemption in Israel but the rem, were, were the remnant. During the church age, the remnant is composed of believing Jews, but the chief interest in the remnant is prophetic. 
during the Great Tribulation, a remnant out of Israel will turn to Jesus as Messiah and will become his witness after the removal of the church. Now, there, this is pre-trib rapture type of theory, what he's going into here. Um, some of these will undergo martyrdom, according to Revelation 6, 9-11. Some will be spared to enter into the Millennial Kingdom. Many of the Psalms express prophetically the joys and the sorrows of the Tribulation remnant. The fullness of the Gentiles is the completion of the purpose of God in this, the outcalling from the Gentiles among the people for Christ's name. The church which is his body. So, um, Romans, let me just, it's Romans 10. One. Uh, 11 through 7. Okay, we already said that. Acts. I just want to wrap it up with this. Acts. Acts 7.56? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Acts 7.54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on them. This is after Stephen just read them, rebuked them. And he looked, and he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of the Lord, and the Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand. They cried out. Now, the reason that Jesus Christ was standing, I've heard it be said that Jesus Christ was actually think, was ready to come back at that point. He was standing. He wasn't seated at the right hand of God. He was standing on the right hand of God. And if Israel corporately had accepted him after what Stephen had just done, there was a good chance he might have come back right then and established his kingdom. But they didn't do that. They rejected him. Okay? Now, I can't be dogmatic about that, but it's, but it's an interesting theory, and it could be plausible. Um, but, but, you know, he was rejected. And he said, Behold, I see heaven open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out in the city, and stoned him, and the witness laid down their clothes at the young, man Saul's, the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus Christ, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin under their charge, which is what Jesus did too. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Um, they had brought false witnesses against Stephen. He bears true witness against them, quoting the testimony of the writings they owned to be inspired. He speaks of the persistent rejection of God and his servants by the nation, till at last it was brought home to themselves and arouses the maddened enmity in their hearts. It was the final trial of the nation. This was the final time when the Jews finally rejected... Yes, they rejected him at the cross, Pilate, yeah. But this was the final time that God said, Okay, boom. Um, that was when the... the um, I believe that was the last chance they really had. As the Jews, as a corporate nation, that was the last time. That This is the big reason why, ultimately, the emphasis ended up coming to the Gentiles. What just happened here with Stephen? Um, and then it was it's evidenced in verse 1 of chapter 8, and Saul was consenting unto his death, and at the time there was a great persecution against the church, which is at Jerusalem. Who, where was this persecution from? It was from the Jews. And they were scattered abroad. And so, see, that, that was just all the more confirmation that they had truly rejected Christ's doctrine because then they really started persecuting them. Then God really hardened their heart. Then blindness really set in. And that's how we got to where we're at today. Pretty much, in kind of a nutshell. Anyway, I'll, I'll, go, ahead and, uh, I'll go ahead and close there. Um,
I'll go ahead and close this out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord, once again. And, and I, I pray, Lord God, that you would bring us back at the next appointed time. I pray, God, for anyone hearing this this audio recording, that, that you would bless them, Lord God, that you would show them the truth, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that your truth would go forth, Lord God, that your word would go forth. You, In your word you say, it's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. I pray to God you would burn up and break down any doctrine of error, Lord God, out there in this world. Lord God, that, that you would defeat and destroy all witchcraft being purposed this month, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. That you would not let all these wicked plans that are being planned in America come to pass, God, according to thy will, God, but nevertheless not my will, not our will, God, but thine be done, as Jesus said. I pray to God for your divine intervention that you would wake up the remnant, God, that you would add to the remnant, God, that your name would be glorified, that many would be saved, God, as a result of what you're going to do, Lord God, even this day, this week, this month, this year. I pray to God that all your enemies would be exposed, God, for what they are, that you would destroy, God, the, the, the 13 families of the Illuminati and destroy them, God, but also, Lord God, I pray if it be possible, any of them, that they can be saved, that their souls would be saved, for it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And that every evil entity, God, would be bound up and rebuked, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that would come against you, or come against your truth, come against the, your remnant, God, that you have in this earth right now. I pray to God that your truth would go forth, Lord God, and that blind eyes would be opened, and ears, deafened ears, God, would hear, and hearts, Lord God, would actually receive the truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray your fear upon your remnant, upon this world, upon this modern-day apostate Christianity that is not Christianity, Lord God. I pray to God that you use us mightily, use your remnant, God, for thy glory. I pray to God that you forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, or form, God, that we would come before you clean, God. And Lord God, if there's any area of our life where we're operating where we're not clean before you, God, that you would show that to us clearly, that you would open our eyes to these things. And that, Lord God, you would give us the strength and the courage to change. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.